Hello and welcome to another installment of the Y Football Podcast with me, Michael Dryden and Eches Adokwu. Today we'll be taking a look at the history of the offside rule, its current form, the debate around how it should be reformed, and we'll discuss whether the rule itself should be scrapped. Before we start, please follow us on Twitter at YFootball underscore and subscribe with us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast and YouTube. Hello, Eches. Happy Easter. How are you? Yeah, happy Easter to you as well, mate. Um, how am I? Uh, <laughs> well, Arsenal got folded, folded in two like a deck chair. <laughs> more than two. Uh, yeah, more than two. Probably about 10 pieces uh, by Liverpool yesterday, which wasn't very good. I've got two Liverpool friends in this group chat um, that love piping up. Basically, they're both glory hunters. Uh, I, went to, <laughs> I, went to, I went to school with them. Uh, one of them was a known Liverpool fan. The other one, no idea. Suddenly went to uni. All of a sudden, he's wearing, oh you, you know the old Liverpool candy kits uh, from the 90s? Yeah. Yeah, he basically started donning all of those and giving it the chat. So uh, yesterday I was under a bit of fire, but, you know, it, it is what it is. They, they were better than us. They played, you know, we were really, really bad. So mm. fair play to them. I know one of them's got... Um, Liverpool bedsheets still, so <laughs> I sense a I sense a lot of resentment yeah. in your voice. Yeah, there's a lot there's a lot of resentment in my voice. So hopefully he slept <laughs> hopefully he slept well in those bedsheets as well. And the other one's got a, a calendar of my clone in his bedroom wall, so hopefully he enjoyed <laughs> he enjoyed ticking I, off that on the calendar yesterday. I bet they slept like absolute babies at chairs, if I'm honest. Um yeah, it's just did. mad how you know Diego Jota comes back in the team and suddenly they start firing. because uh, they were still potent with him before. Um I thought that was interesting. But yeah, another uh another kind of Mark against the, the name of Arsenal Football Club in recent history, but we just won't go any further into. We might have some tears. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not too bad. Um, didn't catch much football this weekend. Went to um, went to Hell Velen yesterday, which is one of the... It's in the Lake District, and it's basically like a climb slash hike. So that's basically what I'm doing these days, getting a bit older. <laughs> nice. It's a sign you're getting older when you start climbing mountains, but... Um, yeah, no, that's good. But yeah, I haven't caught much football, which is uh, a shame. But um, Sunderland are playing tomorrow. We play Friday and Monday over the Easter, Easter period. So if you're in Championship League One, League Two, you play the Friday and the Monday, which is a bit mad. But I think mm. particularly this season, because the season started later and even in the lower leagues, you still play loads of games. Like, you know, we don't participate obviously in Europe, but playing the FA Cup and the League Cup where, you know, you are likely to get knocked out quicker, but then you also have the, you know, the Pizza Cup, which we won. Um, so, and, oh, it's did you? and it's a four, it's, yeah, we won the Pizza Cup. And oh, I didn't four, know that. Yeah. Oh, thank, thanks for the, uh, <laughs> thanks for listening. Um, but yeah, uh, it means you are actually playing a lot of games. Uh, it's a 46 league season. So, I mean, you can end up playing like over 50 games and it's the season started later because uh, a lot of, the, and a lot of clubs in the football league were hit with, COVID quite badly so Sunderland lost like four games over Christmas so they're just hammering games in between now and May and so we're just playing all the time so Eches moving on to today's topic the offside law um how did it all begin yeah first of all I kind of wanted to do this topic not because I decided to um open up and examine all of the rules within football but it's mostly <laughs> been because in the news lately uh, we've been seeing Arsene Wenger discuss the offside rule a lot um, in terms of some proposals, which we'll discuss later on. But also, it's been a huge issue this season. Um, there are mm. loads of people who are all wrong, by the way, crying, saying the bar <laughs> should be scrapped because like, it's ruining the game and like attackers, it doesn't benefit attackers. And how can he be 0.02 meters offside? How can this happen? It's ruining the game, blah, blah, blah. So I thought, 
to look into the actual offside law and kind of how it all came about and what it's going to look like in the future uh, would be a really interesting topic to look into because mm. I don't particularly love it when you're seeing them draw those lines on the VAR. I, I think it's the way forward because, you know, I'll get onto it a bit later on. Yeah. But I know for many people, particularly uh, some of the older generation down at the local, when they see those lines drawn, <laughs> When they see those lines drawn out, you see the veins start popping in their foreheads and they're fuming, <laughs> frothing at the mouth. So, um, yeah, true. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll go into that a little bit later on. But the history of offside law is quite funny, actually. So in 1883, when the Football Association first drafted its laws of the game, it stated that no forward passes were allowed unless the ball was hit from behind the goal line. A football player was offside unless three players <laughs> of the opposing team were in front of him, including the goalkeeper. Three. <laughs> That's actually so many <laughs> um, Yeah, so that was the first rule. So when you say it has to be behind the line, so is that how goal kicks were taken at that time? So it was only basically a goal kick where you can you can be past three players. Is that correct? Yeah, I believe so. I mean, I haven't I haven't specifically examined the fine detail of the rules in 1883, <laughs> but that's that's the perception I got from reading it. Um, it just sounds like a nightmare. I mean, the game was played really differently back then, right? It's not as if you were having like yeah. Pep Guardiola's 2008 uh, Barcelona masterclass playing back then. But <laughs> it is very interesting to see how the game's evolved over time. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it sounds like an absolute nightmare to officiate <laughs> knowing where uh, three... Oh, sorry, where a player is compared to three defenders, and also then like, how <laughs> it's a, just a wonder that any goals were scored at all. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's a pretty mad rule indeed. It moved on further in 1925, where the rule changed to two opponents instead of three, which uh, increased the number of goals scored. Uh, before this mm. rule, passing was mostly done away from the opponent's goal. But when the offside rule was changed in 1925, passing became an integral part of football. Uh, don't read that or don't listen to that bit, Sam Allardyce. Uh, <laughs> don't think he wants to be reading that. Uh, and to many, the beauty of modern football was born. The amount of goals increased even further, aided by a rule change in 1912, preventing goalkeepers from handling the ball outside of the penalty area. Uh, another rule in 1920 banned offsides from throw-ins. So that's, that's mm. lasted for a really long time. I didn't know it was such an old rule. And also, the, <laughs> imagine yeah. in 1912, goalkeepers, or before 1912, goalkeepers could handle the ball outside the penalty area. That's mad. Well, so they could actually catch the ball. That's what I don't understand. So they can... <laughs> yeah, I think, well, I think so. Can you imagine? They just, they just run to the goal. <laughs> it's like uh, lacrosse or like... Uh... I mean, you, you laugh, but... It, Everything is at a pinch of salt, right? Because, you know, it's very hard to think of football back then. Most of the people watching football around our edge back then are, are dead or very, very old now. So it is, it's, it's just very weird to think of football like that. Um, yeah. Just you, the keeper running around catching the ball like it's no man's business. <laughs> um, yeah, you would, have had, you would have had standards as well and like etiquette, I suppose, that would kind of keep the game perhaps more... Perhaps it was less gamesmanship and, you know, to keep the game more kind of within <laughs> a reasonable standard. Because obviously, yeah. if that was still a rule today, you just have Ad- Ellis- um, you just have Allison or Edison. Um, I called him Ellison there. Uh, <laughs> just catching the ball, running up the field and just launching it past Jordan Pickford <laughs> from point yeah, blank range. It is a bit mad and I assume that might have been a tactic. I don't really know, to be honest. Like, yeah, just catching the ball and running about. Um, yeah, I'm not too sure how that would work in modern football. 
Uh, moving on, in 1990, uh, another amendment to the offside rule was made. Now a player was onside if they were level with the last opponent that he faced. This was a result of the lack of exciting play at the World Cup in Italia 90. And they tried to give more of an impetus for attacking teams. So they changed the mm-hmm. rules. 95, another change happened in the rules, which was uh, a player was only deemed to be active if he was gaining an advantage from being in that position. Um, you know, these two alterations were used in an attempt to, again, make the game more attractive. Yep. 15 years later, there was another update. From now on, a player was only offside if he or she touched the ball or was in a position to make physical contact with an opponent. And then finally, in 2005, it was amended in its wording. So this slight tweak was clarified uh, about what it meant to be interfering uh, with play. Um, yeah. So that was kind of what it cleared up then. Uh, so from then on, there'd be no instances of a player collecting a pass and then a flag going up because his teammate had wandered in an offside position elsewhere, not really doing anything, yeah. uh, which was uh, really, really interesting. Yeah, it's interesting. For some reason, uh, you know, listen to this. The player in my mind who I have, who used to be in that position quite often or would be offside whilst he's nowhere near the ball and ruin it for his team is Emil Heskey. I don't know if I'm just remembering a specific incident, but for some reason his uh, his face and his like figure like picks out. Um, but I mean, the rule change around like interfering, interfering with player has been used quite effectively. If you think about like, the, the, like the, almost the classic Guardiola, Guardiola Man City goal, you know, when they try, like, basically try to get it through the play that pass between the centre-half and the full-back to go for an overlapping winger or overlapping wing-back, which is Carl Walker, then play that ball across to the forward, then taps it in. That forward, likely, for a lot of that move, is standing offside because it gives them that advantage to get in that position early. And then as soon as the ball gets played forward, the defenders naturally drop. They then become onside and can then kind of move from that position if, if required, but have already got the advantage of being there first. And then they just get in the back and slot it in. So <laughs> mm. it has been... It has that is quite a significant rule change, but it makes sense though because you're stopping the game for you know for players. If he's trying to bend the rules, it's one thing, but if they're just in an offside position on the complete other side of the pitch, then it just makes you know it doesn't actually affect the game or affect the move. No, it makes absolutely no sense, mate. Which is kind of why uh, these things have come into place. The, the actual current rule itself, because you know what, when I was doing this pod, I thought. I know what the offside rule is, but I was like, do I? You know, like, you, you know, you know, yeah. the, you know the general gist of it, but there's so many tweaks now. So, for example, when we first had VAR, we originally said that if any of your body part was offside, that was offside. But then we actually yeah. tweaked that rule so it's any part you can score a goal with. I actually wasn't that clear on when that switch had happened. I think it must have been within the last year. So I thought, let me actually read up on it and make sure um that i know what yeah. it is so a player is in an offside position if any part of his head body or feet is in the opponent's half excluding the halfway line and any part of the head body or feet is nearer to the opponent's goal line uh than both the ball and the second last opponent the mm. hands and arms of all players including the goalkeepers are not considered a player is not in an off- offside position if he is level with the second to last opponent or the last two opponents i mean the, the big one is obviously that hands and arms thing because that, that that's a recent tweak to the rule um which wasn't too long ago so that's uh for anyone that doesn't know if you're new to football if you if you love american football or something else that's the rule for you <laughs> uh, just write that one down uh, put it on a post-it. I think we've got useful. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, like, as you said before. Like, there's so many nuances to a lot of rules. Like what I mentioned about the you know the throw-in rule before. Like, you don't really get, you don't really consider these things until they actually happen. Um, yeah. So you think, even think about yesterday. Uh, I don't know if you saw it, but 
Uh, the Man City game, Fernandinho had a great strike from probably about 25 yards straight to the bottom corner that was disallowed because Aguero was standing in an offside position. And the ball basically, I mean, it was quite minor, but the ball did, he did get in the, in the path between, or the, the line of sight between the goalkeeper, Kasper Schmeichel, and, um, well, Fernandinho. And so he did, it, he would have affected it. I don't know whether whether or not it was enough. It was a really good strike and it was, it was a good chance that was going in anyway. It was right mm. in the bottom corner. It was given offside. I do think based on the current rule that that was correct decision. But it just shows that when certain things happen like that, um, which has happened before, but you know you test certain parts of the rule, and that's why they have to make these tweaks to kind of bring them in line and make them consistent. Yeah, quick question about Aguero: Does he still have those blonde highlights? Uh, I can't remember. I, I think he does. I only watched the highlights last night um, on Match of the Day Two. Which why is Match of the Day Two? I oh, know it was Match of the Day One. Sorry, I keep thinking it's. <laughs> I think it's a bank holiday. I keep thinking it's like Sunday. Um, but, you know, why is Match of the Day 2 on so late on a Sunday? But that's the first point. Um, but <laughs> yeah, I only watched the highlights yesterday. And um, I think he does. I'm not too sure, actually. Uh, he's the only one of the only players I think suits the peroxide blonde look. No, I don't know why I think no, that. No, he doesn't, mate. Why not? He just doesn't, mate. I, I, don't, need to, I don't need to go into it. Because it's, it's, it's basically a whole pod on its own. Like, if you're a baller and you have peroxide blonde hair, Sam and Azri especially, you don't look good. Samuel Azri, Benjamin Mendy, Mbappe, Neymar. No, you, none of them. None of them look good. Kalor Navas, Icardi, quite a lot of PSG players. Now that I'm saying it, but yeah, none of them look good. Kim Pempe, I've seen Kim Pempe do it as well. No, he's not looking good. <laughs> Wesley Fofana, I've seen Wesley Fofana. No, big red X. None of you look good. <laughs> I know you got loads of money. You know you can do whatever you want. Cool, fair enough. But that is not the look you should go for. Yeah, you've got it. The actual purist of the game in that look, and it's natural, is Sammy Hippier. He would be, you know, maybe fuming <laughs> scenes. Sammy Hippier. Yeah, fair <laughs> enough. You're not wrong, mate. You're not wrong. Good old Sammy Hippier. <laughs> no, I think I'm just Googled it now, and I think uh, I think he's got, just got dark hair now. But I'm, I'm sure I'm sure we'll all rest easier knowing this fact. <laughs> thanks for sharing mate and uh, thanks for being, 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 being the, the leading figure uh, so moving on with the offside law we kind of enter the era of VAR which is basically when it becomes a problem because you know generally footballers always given some leniency towards offside calls because the margins are so so fine making it hard for officials to judge you know there's always the accepted notion that a small degree of human error is allowed and what's weird about football is only with offsides so like for example if I go and break someone's leg in a horrible tackle and the ref doesn't give a red card, you know, that's not a small degree of human error being allowed. That should just be a red card. Same with handballs. Yeah. Same with goal line, you know, goals that cross the line. I remember Luis Garcia against Chelsea way yeah. back when in 2005 or 2004, can't remember the year. And, you know, there was that thing, did it cross the line, did it not? And people still go on about it now. But offsides have always had this level of leniency, probably because of how tight the calls are and how yeah. you know how how small the margin is. That's always kind of been given. You know, sometimes a player's like half a foot offside, but no one really says anything because you mm. know he, the linesman's not going to see that. Obviously, if he's a whole half a body, then you're like, come on, linesman. But generally speaking, it's let go. But because of VAR, uh, you know, everyone's like puffed their chests out being like, yeah, we fixed football because we've got technology to help us see these errors. 
But what it's done is it's caused more problems because I, I spoke before about uh, some of the older generation down at the pub, not just older generation as well, people <laughs> yeah. our age as well. Um, you know, their blood's boiling when they're seeing those lines pulled out to see how uh, far a player's on or offside. And when the margin is 0.8 centimetres, which by law is correct, you know, yeah. many are screaming like it's ruining the game. The advantage is being taken away from the attacker. This is not what football is meant to be. Bring back pure football and all this sort of nonsense. It's yeah. basically what's brought the offside law back into focus. Yeah, I think you've got those general kind of VAR haters that just want to find any excuse to get the game back to where it was and just find any excuse to uh, to um, smite VAR. But then you've got people, I mean, I'm in favour of VAR. But I don't, as you, I think you probably agree as well. I don't like the current um, offside checking because it's not consistent. So every time you've got uh, someone somewhere drawing line on, well, it's not drawing a line, but they're having to move. So these these kind of automated lines come into play, and so it's not consistent. So I mean, you know, you feel as if each call it could be a different outcome, and then obviously also it's just the time thing as well. Like it just takes ages, and that's my biggest. With some of the rule changes that have came in recently, if you think about VAR, and then you think about like the five sub rule, right? If you think, if you have a couple of VAR decisions and both uh, teams use all five of their subs, the game goes on for like 105 minutes, man. You can't, the schedules are already really tight. I mean, you can't, the game can't be going on that long unless you actually shorten it down to take into account these delays. The game's going to go on forever. (laughs) You you know, it needs needs to happen really in football, which is an unpopular opinion. Just stop the clock, man. I don't know why. Like, I don't know why people are like, "Oh God, it's only five minutes of injury time." What the hell? Just stop the clock. Why? Yeah, I think that as well. Yeah. Why in twenty twenty one are we just letting the clock run? Are you mad? Just stop the clock. Then you've got someone yeah. screaming. Normally, me too. Fair when it's one one and we're like drawing to like Cheltenham. Oh, like why is it only six minutes added on? And it's because just just stop the clock. I, don't, I just had to get it out there because it's just. I don't get it. Like the ref comes under so much pressure to stop the clock, but you know, football is a really old game. It's, it's one of those things. Yeah, uh, I read a, I read a, some calls that was quite a long time ago. Actually, it might be a couple of seasons ago, um, where there was like a suggestion that it should be shortened. The game should be shortened to sixty minutes, but you stop the clock because there was a study done that, on average, I think it's something like sixty minutes. The ball is in play anyway, so you've already mm. got that thirty minutes around it where the ball isn't in play. People are getting set up for set pieces and corners. Um, it might be more than, than 60, but even so, it's not going to be anywhere near the 90. So do we just stop, stop the clock? And then, um, it's, I mean, there's loads of things around it, like, you know, could gamesmanship come into it and all that sort of stuff. But in theory, I mean, it works in other sports. So mm. why can't it work in football, I suppose? Yeah, it's a separate topic in its own about how archaic football is with its, like, it's just the way it's run. Like, you know, we've had Hawkeye and cricket for years and football all of a sudden have decided, yeah, we should try this VAR stuff. And it's like, you know, it's long overdue. But that's a topic for another (laughs) day. Talking about the offside rule. So I I looked at interviews about people talking about it. And one was from Marco Van Basten, who I'm sure Mm. everyone knows, who was saying that the offside rule should be scrapped altogether. That's That's why I put this bit in here, because, you know, when you just read something outrageous and you're like, hang on. So he said, he is basically saying that he doesn't think the offside rule is very good. He would like to trial it to show that uh, football can be played without it. So Van Basten himself uh, was a technical director at FIFA from 2016 to 2018. He believes uh, VARs are ruining the game uh, due to how it's being deployed, which I think there's an argument there in terms of timing and stuff. Um, he, he added that he reckons teams would learn how to play without it. 
detractors would say, you know, if there's no offside, then there'd be no space for attackers because defenders would sit, you know, by the goalkeeper. But Van Basten was basically saying that the gap between midfield and defence would become so large that the game would change. So think about it this way. If imagine you're back four by your, you know, surrounding your keeper, yeah. then you've got your four midfielders and your two attackers. If the opposing team get past the midfield, they're just, you're just going to have like six men running at four people. And he's basically saying how, you know, teams would kind of change because you don't want that. You don't really want like six runners coming at you from a very long way away at different angles and different speeds where you have yeah. to break out. So it was quite an interesting point. He was saying that if the defenders drop too deep, the keeper wouldn't be able to see. So he'd want them to push up. And it was an interesting point. I think the reason why I put it in is sometimes football is very set in its ways. We can't think of truly innovative ways to think of the game. I don't think this is actually a very useful point, but it raises the question of football really trying to break free from issues it has in the past. So the clock one you just mentioned, the offside rule being another one, you know, handballs another one, which is a yeah. grey area. So that's kind of why I put it in. He also said it's been abolished in um, hockey, field hockey, uh, that used to have the offside rule. And now it doesn't, and it's thrived since. I then had uh, some information about the offside run hockey, and then I realised I don't know anything about the sport, <laughs> so, so, so yeah, I took it straight I, out. I've absolutely no idea. Um, so yeah, that, that's kind of uh, Van Basten's view on it all. Yeah, I've, I've actually read that quote before, and I'm a bit torn on it because I mean, so much you have to consider. I mean, so much the, the way we play football is built around the offside rule yeah. because it's such a massive factor. I mean, you could argue that the rule currently restrict space so you think about even you think about like a club team lined up now say they have their defenders all i mean your the wing backs will probably be in the opposition box but they'd send a half at the very least will be like almost within the halfway line so if you then think about the opposition getting the ball back it, unless they can break that off strike off side trap with a well-timed pass which is you know part of tactics and the striker gets a or the attacker gets a run on the defenders in theory they can't actually occupy that space behind the defenders at all unless they do what I just, I just said. So in theory, it tightens up the pitch. And that's obviously part of tactics, isn't it? You tighten the space up so you can then yeah. apply like a pressing move and you can win the ball back. And that that's part of tactics. So I think tactics would just have to change altogether. I mean, how do you play a high pressing move when mm. there's no... Um, I mean, you could still press the def- opposition of defence, but then you would then just leave so much space in behind that the other team could just stick three attackers. It's like when you played on the park when you were a kid and you had people goal lounging. That is essentially what you'd be, you'd be doing there. Um and yeah, I do think defenders would just drop deeper, but that would create more space across the pitch. So you'd have more time yeah. ball, more attempts to be able to run at defenders. There wouldn't be this kind of squeezing in certain areas of uh, of play. Um, I do think it possibly make it more difficult to park the bus as well. Like if you think about England uh, in their recent games, um, I mean, <laughs> against San Marino is an extreme example, but they can just park the bus near to the box. The opposition defence uh, attackers can't go beyond that. So you've got to find a way of breaking that wall, getting through and behind. Mm. Um, and I think it would be easier the fact if you could just have players, you know, surrounding the keeper, surrounding the box. But I just think like, it would make it so cagey. Like, and it would just mean that, you know, it would just be, I just think you'd see loads of goal mouth scrambles because everyone would be in the box. And so like, there'd be, there'd be no space in behind. So currently, once you break the offside trap, that is a lot a way in which a lot of goals are scored is by breaking that trap. But once yeah. you do it, the attacker has space to then get a shot away, test the keeper to go one on one, which I think we're seeing less of. But with without that, 
you're just going to have such deep defenses that it's just going to be scrambles in the box. You're not going to see perhaps, you know, the, the beautiful sight of like a, you know, an Henri going through her own goal, <laughs> rounding the keeper. You're not going to see that anymore. Um, so I, I do wonder if that is actually beneficial, to be honest. Yeah, it's one of those ones. Uh, that's where the visionaries of games are born, where they see these changes and then think of ways to kind of combat it. But, you know, I doubt they'll ever happen. But it was interesting mm. to kind of read. Uh, another one was uh, current head of football development, uh, Arsene Wenger, uh, hashtag legend. Um, he <laughs> had other ideas nice. for the offside rule. He is proposing that as long as any body part of a player that can use to score a goal is onside and the player is onside. So this basically means that a player can be like nearly a yard offside if you know they're in a sprinting motion, but let's say their standing leg is in line with the defender, or their standing foot is in line with the defender, then they're on yeah. side, which gives impetus back to the attacking team and gives them an advantage, which has been eradicated with VAR. That is now currently being trialed in an unnamed Chinese league. I don't know why it's unnamed. Maybe so people don't know. <laughs> you know, it's like yeah. what if you're saying you're trialing it? Like, why can't people know what league it's in? But anyway, unnamed Chinese league—they're doing that now. So we'll see uh, how that works. Yeah, I think that's quite interesting, actually. Because I mean, I don't think it would get rid of the, you know, the issue of like, is it 0.8 centimeters or whatever? Yeah. Because it's just, gonna, it's just, gonna, it's still going to have that factor. But yeah. what it what allows an attacker to do is get more of a run and start on the defender. So um, you can, in theory, you know, you can already be ahead of the defender when you go through, um, as long as your trailing leg is on side. Or I don't know how you do that. You just leave your, <laughs> you just leave your foot in as you were going forward. Um, but yeah, I don't see. I think that's quite an interesting. Um, proposition, but I don't think it's going to. It's just not going to fix the current VAR issues. I think. No, no, I completely agree. There's also a development of a semi-automatic tracking system to pick up offsides, which is being trialed. So it was actually mm. used offline at the 2019 World Cup. The technology being looked at is an offside system that combines limb tracking with artificial intelligence. So basically, what it is is optimal tracking uses one point per player. Uh, and but they're using this limb tracking, which follows 15 to 20 points on a player. This makes loads of sense when you can see diagrams and charts. When you can't, it just sounds like <laughs> absolute nonsense. Yeah. So I'm, I'm noticing people are probably dropping off, like literally stuffing the pod and thinking, you know, I've had enough of this. But it is really interesting. It's basically based off these data points, uh, algorithms can work out which point of the limb is close to the goal at any given moment. And this can then be used to create the offside lines. This data is used to then create a semi-automated uh, offside uh, system. So the moment the ball is played across at any point, this offside line automatically positions it based off the players that are involved. This differs from the current VAR technology we have now, where it's painstakingly slow, man. Where you see, you see the guy with his little line and he moves the line up and you see him pick the frame. Then two and a half minutes later, he's still drawing these little blue lines down. So obviously what it will do, it, it will really speed up the VAR process, which is a different argument, right? We're, we're talking mostly about the issue with the law itself and how it can be tweaked, but there's also an element as well about regardless of the law, uh, regardless of whether you hate or love VAR, it's just too long. You know, it needs to be quicker. Um, yeah. I think what we'll see eventually is uh, Wenger's potential tweak may work. You raised the argument about how we still have the problem about whether it's 0.8 centimeters on or offside. That just comes down to whether you dislike VAR or not, because I think one is offside, one isn't. We accepted it before because of leniency, and we have to accept in a realm now where, you know, that's just how it is. For example, Hawkeye isn't 100% accurate. I don't know what the percentage is, but it's not 100% accurate. It's like, let's say, 95%. 
you don't get yeah. people then tweeting like, ah, oh, well, how do you know? How do we know that it would have missed off stump by zero points? Have you seen how tight some of those Hawkeye calls are? They're yeah. so narrow. <laughs> we accept it because that's what it's like when you accept technology in a system, right? You you have to work with it. You can't then just go and say, oh, he's zero point zero four centimeters offside. Therefore, the game's ruined. There has to be yeah, a ball, no, either it is or isn't offside. Other, what, what do you then say? Uh, you know, because it's less than a centimetre, it's allowed. Well, uh, you know, where does it end? Does it end at 10 centimetres? Does it end at 30? If it's Harry Kane, is he always onside? Like, you know, there has to be some sort of rule in place. So I kind of think that it's one of those ones where the tweak may happen with Wenger and it gives advantages back to the attacker. But those that are still moaning about, you know, whether any part is onside or offside, have to accept that technology is here to, you know, analyze what information we have based off the rule. We just have to accept it for what it is. Yeah, and the Hawkeye example is a great. What's well, a great example? Because, well, I think one of the reasons I think it works so well is because I mean, cricket does lend itself a bit more naturally to the kind of the stops, the delays, but. It's just it's just consistent though. Like you see the same thing every time. It's a consistent kind true. of pre- presentation, and it provides more certainty than than a human does. I mean, even like ninety five percent accuracy would be more would be higher than a human. Even though I think anyway, and before VAR, and I do, I don't think we should scrap VAR because I think it's innovative and we'll get there eventually, hopefully. But I did think officials did a good job before. I just think people were getting pedantic and therefore <laughs> expecting us to have a perfect game, which we'll never have. Um, and so. I just think changing the laws of the game, like we talked about the Van Basten, Van Basten um, from court, which is I know isn't in, I know it wasn't kind of a means of fixing VAR. It's just a general point about how he thinks the game could be better. But I mean, there's a reason why football is the most popular sport in the world now. I don't think we need to overhaul the rules every year that IFAB have to get together like they do and think of different ways in which you could make it more fun. Like you know, introducing six different balls on the pitch every time. It's not gonna. I don't think it needs to be tweaked. Um, but. I do think that as long as we make the presentation, we don't have these lines being drawn. Instead, we see this like, if it's automated and it takes away the subjectivity of it, then you have to have that consistency. And then you can have the same presentation like you're doing Hawkeye with the, you know, the balls flying down the, down the crease mm. um, and it's hitting the stumps. Like you have that consistency every time. So you cook, then fans become comfortable. But when you're watching your team and you start to see this guy uh, or this, this lady somewhere, <laughs> you don't even know where they are, they're drawing lines on this on the screen and it's taken f- three, four minutes longer than it did on the previous decision in the previous game, then you start to you just start to question it and you start to think, well, this is not right. And then that just adds that just fuels this like uncertainty that is not helpful and the whole completely defeats the purpose of VAR in the first place. Um Yeah, I think yeah. in an ideal world, VAR needs to be almost instant and it's not there will be teething problems. I didn't expect to be so many. And we will probably do a pod on VAR in itself because there are loads of aspects we haven't spoken about, you know, the handballs and the red cards and when they don't review stuff and do review stuff. But in, in terms of the offside rule in particular, yeah, you know, consistency is an issue which can be applied across board. Um, hopefully with the tweaks in technology and maybe with the increased uh, cameras, and as time goes on, it gets better and better. But for, for those people that are really anti-VAR, I think VAR needs to do better to get them on side. Yeah, I think people need more VAR-based content in their life. I think that's definitely a good idea. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think they do. I think the people are asking for round two. So uh, maybe next week, maybe the week after, we'll do another bit on VAR and the history of VAR itself. And that'd be a good one. <laughs> Two-hour special, I reckon. Two-hour special. Yeah, two-hour special. Brilliant. <laughs> Look, looking forward to it. 
All right, then. Well, that's all we've got time for this week. HS, thank you so much for the insight on the history of the offside rule, its current rule, and the absolute uh, <laughs> monster debate that is VAR um, and the offside rule within it. So, yeah, thank you so much. Enjoy the rest of your Easter weekend, HS. And, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll thank you all for listening as well. And we'll, uh, we'll see you next time. Cheers, guys.